Welcome, Savvy Seeker, to the Spiritual Phoenix Podcast. This is your audio oasis and paranormal portal. You can experience legendary guests, thought-provoking tarot readings, astonishing astrological forecasts, and exposure to ideas intent on igniting your unlimited inspiration. Subscribe today to keep your fire burning. One last thing, you are encouraged to reach out and ask questions. Become a part of the show. Now please enjoy today's episode. Welcome back everyone to the Fool's Guide to Tarot. I am Ross Cessna and we have Stephanie Capone with us. Stephanie, how are you doing? I'm great, Ross. How are you today? I'm really well, thank you. Um, So a quick recap from the last time we've talked. What did we cover last week? Last week, we went over the Hierophant in the Fives. Um, and the Hierophant is basically um, kind of, it rules tradition and what we've been taught in our spiritual journey and then how we apply that into our lives and how we take it into our own hands. Um, hmm. And we talked about the Fives being a time of change. And so kind of looking at things in a different way to move the needle of life forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed that episode. I think it was a lot of fun. And fives, like you said, they're all about change. So it's like swords would be changing your mind, like changing your perception, correct? Mm-hmm. Wands would be kind of like changing um, what you're creating in life, maybe changing the results that you're getting. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, cups would be kind of an emotional change maybe letting things go opening new space up and you had kind of talked about focus on what you have not what you've lost and then the pentacles would be kind of about kind of like changing the material world like changes occurring outside of you that you kind of have to practice acceptance with is that correct yes um Um, A word that we didn't use in that last episode that for whatever reason wasn't coming to my mind, but is heavily associated with the fives is the word contraction. Hmm. So like when you're in a contraction, that's when everything feels really uncomfortable because you're about to expand and change. Yeah. It's like this new birth, like associating with the contractions relative to birth. That's a really good word. I'm glad you brought that up. I like it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about, you know, life is being cyclical, and obviously we have the wheel, um, everything is a contraction and an expansion. Hmm. And a lot of times people try really hard to resist change, and that makes things a little bit more complicated. Or when things aren't moving fast enough, they're like, well, let me for, you know, let me force the hand of fate and, you know, stir up a bunch of other stuff. And that, that all, that changes the course of things. Mm. And I feel like that's uh, really represented in the fives. It's like that midpoint between the ace and the 10. I like that. Yeah. It's just kind of allowing, it's like the the fulcrum for everything kind of. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks for adding that. I really, I really, uh, that has this whole new layer of kind of thought to it. Thank you. I totally forgot last week that there were so many things on my mind and we were just, you know, going and conversation. How dare you? No. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. Um, so if, we t- think about, 
if we think about how the fives are a contraction, then that really brings us into the expansion of the six. Hmm. Yeah, let's get into it. So what does what does the lover's card mean to you? Well, you know, when you think of the word lovers and you look at obviously like the imagery on most decks represent two people. Mm -hmm. um, in, histor in the historical sense, it was like the choice. So um, there's always an element of duality and choice to the lovers, you know? Like, if you think about um, in the Moon Void Tarot card, the lovers are embraced, and what's connecting them are all of their chakras are aligned. Mm-hmm, I like that a lot. Because, um, you know, there's this, there's the element of like, lower, low vibe love, which is just like lust, um, and just feeding that, um, gratuitous like human nature of like what sexuality is and and what love is and then there's like a, the much deeper soul level meaning of what love is and i feel like that's a big that's huge in what a choice in life is like anything you're choosing whether that's another person or just making decisions in life you have to look at it as is this is this feeding instant gratification or is this feeding me on a soul level? Hmm. That's a really, really good point. Um, one of the things that we had talked about and you had mentioned it too uh, last week was I had said that it's kind of choosing like this material love or this kind of uh, spiritual love. And you had said that the way to that deeper spirituality is kind of through this other person when they are kind of in alignment, when it's that deeper soul level love. And, uh, it brings me to this kind of, of stand uh, question, I guess. And this is getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I'm just curious. So the devil card is also linked to the lover's card. And the devil card would kind of be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the more lust driven aspect of that card as, as opposed to this being more about seeing people um, on this deep soul level, correct? Yes. So in the devil, not to get ahead of ourselves, but um, so let's say that when you're choosing love and you're choosing a soul level love, it's the same thing with in the devil when it comes to the things that you're doing. Um, what It's like what you're demonizing. Hmm. Um, and a lot of times there are, in the devil, it's a lot about like, um, choosing things that are bad for you and demonizing that and the things that we um, that we're codependent about and the things that we choose as our instant gratification is in terms of substances but I think that also if you get the devil sometimes that means like are you not honoring what is true within yourself because of social acceptability hmm. and judgment around that. So if you wanted to look at that based in sexuality, it's like a lot of things that people are really curious about um, or would like to participate in, they're afraid of engaging in it because of 
social stigmas around it. And that's when people get into a lot of trouble when they repress themselves. I think that's a very good insight as well. Um, I'd be curious to see kind of to go through and break down the misconceptions about cards. Cause that's one of the cards that I had a big misconception about. Um, anyhow, I guess to bring it back on point now that I took us off on that little tangent to pique my own curiosity. Um, so one of the things about the lovers too, is that that's what we're all striving for. Do you feel that most people kind of end up shutting themselves off from that because they're seeking that instant gratification? Like, this is kind of a rarity. Let me rephrase that. Do you think this is kind of a rarity to find? Um, I think that it takes a lot to, um, to be available and to, to believe that you're worth, like this all goes back to that own sense of um, making sure that you are on the right page within yourself in alignment to bring other people into your realm hmm. and making sure that you know what you want. I think um, in this day and age, it's an instant gratification society, you know, especially if you're looking at this in the sense of love between people. Um, hmm. Love and lust are very confused and a lot of people um, use sex as like they confuse sex and intimacy mm -hmm. because intimacy sex is like whatever you can you can get to that place with anybody you want whenever you want at the swipe of a an app but are you ever actually letting that person in and experiencing real intimacy and a lot of people use use sex to fill a void of intimacy because they've shut off their own um, feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely something that I know personally I've used as a way for like self-acceptance and to feel connection, but it is really shallow in the long run and it creates more problems than it um, ever could solve. So looking at the symbolism of this card, looking at uh, the Ryder Smith weight, one of the things that comes out to me had talked about these individuals kind of coming together on like this healthy basis. And it's interesting because if you look at the two individuals, they're almost like the base of the pyramid. And then kind of the angel is like the, the point of it where there's that unification or that oneness. Um, also, there's the serpent on the tree, green serpent as well, where it's kind of like that heart centered wisdom and that bearing fruit because of the, the uh, fruit on the tree, the apple tree, I think that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you pick up on it either? And what did you put into it rather in the moon void tarot? You had talked about it briefly. Let's go back to that. I think, um, so just to like briefly say the thing that, that bothered me about the Rider Waite Smith, mm -hmm. that, um, the angel is looking over them and the man looks at the woman and the woman looks to the sky. Yeah, she's like, with WTF, Angel, this guy? No, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like, it, in, in past relationship experiences, it felt to me that I was looking for a deeper connection and a deeper meaning and understanding of what love meant with a capital L and not a lowercase L. And hmm. it always felt like 
the partner was just looking at me and only saw me as my 3D body and not as something bigger. And I felt like there was an imbalance in this card because of that. So in mine, there's no, nobody's looking up. You can't even see their faces. They're just completely on the same exact page, mirroring the experience. I really like how you've explained that and how you've presented it in yours with that understanding as well. Um, being a dude, I can definitely say that it's difficult to learn that approach to romance because it's not something that we're taught and it really comes down to doing a lot of inner work and really kind of realigning ourselves and getting out of this um, societal based viewpoint of what romance is and then also shedding this concept of I don't want to be that guy but biology to a certain extent as well and getting a higher understanding of it and taking more control over our mammalian mind <laughs> and not being so instinct driven exactly um another thing that is important on this card and i think that as we evolve as a species um in the past and what we've learned our learned behavior in this human form is that um you know traditionally men identified with their masculine characteristics and women were in their feminine energy and so people came together to be a whole person. I'm the guy, you're the girl. And now that gender is, is dissolving, essentially, because people are realizing that we're both. And you don't, I don't need somebody to give me my masculine energy because I know how to tap into it. And now men are learning that it's they don't need to tap they don't need a woman because they also have that feminine energy which makes it, it makes everything acceptable for where we're going with um there you don't have there's the blurred the lines are so blurred now in what gender roles are and what sexuality is because people are evolving and they're tapped into both sides of themselves. Hmm. So they don't need somebody of their opposite gender. I, I would definitely agree with that, that there is kind of this more awareness and this more integration and the ultimate work um, really is kind of finding that own inner balance within yourself of, of how you're structured, because I don't think it's like an even 50 50 within people. It could be, don't get me wrong, but it's like, finding what your own balance is and honoring that and not trying to shift it one way or another, like getting okay with you on a deep level. Exactly. And just the whole concept of, you know, we complete ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we're not looking for other people to save us or rescue us or show us our worth. It's like finding this card is really about finding that within yourself. Hmm. That you can enjoy a relationship that lights you up, lights you up from, you know, root to crown and everything in between. Hmm, I like that. That's how you've expressed it on your card, and that's definitely a good uh, something good to look for. Real quick, before we get into the other sixes, what's your take on um, soulmates or twin flames? So there are so my personal take. Um, a twin flame is somebody that's going to teach you your ultimate lessons in life. Mm -hmm. 
And just like soulmates, people come into your life to serve a purpose and to do, you know, your souls have agreed to make this connection. And because I believe that we have these souls that go through many lifetimes to achieve, there's only so much you're going to achieve in one lifetime. Um, and like, you know, you meet people and maybe you're, soul's contract with one another is to have children and people confuse that of what that is with their ultimate happiness in a partnership because that person might be a completely different person Hmm. um or you know coming together to grow and to change and so it's it's hard to say that like there's one person for everybody because i think that that's really limiting I don't necessarily think that, you know, you could, maybe that's your soul's mission is to come in here and have one person for, you know, 50 years, but maybe it's like you learn from all sorts of different people. And I think that you have to open yourself up to that possibility Hmm. to understand the bigger picture. I think that's a really good perspective. One of the things that I get a lot of times when I do readings for people through some of the various ways that I do readings is they'll ask me if this person's their soulmate. And it's like, you kind of have to just determine that yourself in the long run, but chances are if they're not answering your, if they're leaving you on red and they're not like saying anything to you and they're, they're cheating on their wife with you, they're probably not your soulmate. They're probably just some douchebag that's manipulating you. Well, I guess like when it comes to those kind of things, when I read for people, I usually say, instead of saying, is this person my soulmate? I usually ask my cards, what is the soul connection Hmm. between these two people and what lessons are meant to be learned, integrated and released? That's probably a way healthier way than I approach it. This guy's a giant douchebag. Get away from him. <laughs> Table manners. I still got to learn them. It's okay. It's, um, you know, there's, there's people that we feel really pulled and drawn to, and it's so hard for us to be able to turn away from that because we have these ideas in our mind of what it could be and should be. And I don't think that people are wrong when they feel that, when they're like, I just know that this is like this person that I have this like deep connection to. And I tell them, I'm like, you know what? You're right. You do have a deep connection, but this is as far as you're going to get in this lifetime. Hmm. So this was your part. This is your chapter. So enjoy that, you know, take the memories of this chapter and know you're going to pick it up in another life. There's somebody that's, meant for you after this and you'll get closer to that once you can you know release your attachment to what you want this to be in this lifetime that's an amazing perspective i'm glad you gave me some clarity for that i I hope that it helps some other people as well i can tell you i know i've had experience with three of these people in my own life and it took me a lot of like heartache and tears and wondering and wishing and thinking and like I know I can fix this and change it and it's like I finally like I did a deep meditation that was like you know what not this lifetime hmm. 
So always think love, like send loving thoughts to that person, thank them for the time that you had together and know, and I feel like instantly calm when I'm like, okay, we have like so many lifetimes. That's really a healthy perspective. Um, I feel good about the way that you presented that. Like it definitely gives me some peace on my own life and it gives me insight into how to approach that maybe in a more respectful manner for people that I'm reading for. <laughs> so looking at that, what card, like what, which one of the sixes do you want to jump into? Or would you like to start with the general meaning of six in numerology? You always take the words right out of my mouth. Um, six in numerology, it's, um, it's the combination of two threes and threes are that like master number um, it's like three is that trinity it's that perfect number and they come together and they reflect one another hmm. so I always think about the duality of the sixes um, also six in numerology is a lot about the material world hmm. so just a quick sidebar um, it's been so demonized of seeing the number six 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 like it's a sign of the devil and it's like it's only the sign of the devil because it's an attachment to the material realm. It's, it's kind of like the animal consciousness or the primal consciousness. Yeah. That like lizard brain that seeks instant gratification and the path of least resistance. Hmm. And being constant pleasure seekers. That's a really good perspective. So that is what the six is about it is about the material plane it's about our home life it's about um it's about our attachment and the balance those two threes the attack the balance between the spiritual and the physical i have a question for you like in regards to the brain would that be like the amygdala that's a fight or fight response fight or flight response yeah it's like amygdala it's your prefrontal cortex and it's overriding the you know your seven-year-old subconscious mind that drives the bus mm. you know like mm -hmm. when people are really hungry and they can't act right when you're hangry that is <laughs> you have no access to your prefrontal cortex at that time mm. um does that answer your question? Yeah, it definitely does. I don't want to go on a too big of a tangent about it because I really could because I, I love spirituality and I love psychology and I love where they blend together. Yeah, the intersection of the two of them is really powerful and it's something that can really uh, shift people's lives. It's something we can touch on maybe later. Maybe we can do some expanded stuff at some point. Definitely. So which one of the sixes do you want to jump into first? Let's do the six of swords. I love that. Uh, oh. no, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay, well, tell me what is your aversion to it? Um, for me, it just, it has this underpinning of, of this lonely journey. And it makes, I understand that there's people in the card in the Ryder Smith weight one or whatever. But uh, it makes me think of this passage from a book by Carlos Castaneda where he talks about being on this journey, knowing you'll never kind of make it to that place and everybody that you pass on the way kind of being ghosts in the sense that like there's no real way that you can connect to them. And for me, it makes me think of 
of that, <laughs> like kind of skimming over the surface of my emotions, not feeling really connected to anybody, even though there's people around me and just moving forward. Um, what's your take on it to like counterbalance that, that heaviness of, of mine? I'm going to take your books away. Um, <laughs> so obviously the six is our balances and imbalance of relationships. Hmm. So we have swords. So that's the mind. That's our thoughts and the words that we speak. And there's always a, a component of travel in this card. Um, there's usually water and air represented. So there's always the underlying emotions. Mm -hmm. And like our emotions and our thoughts being, being linked. And whenever this card comes up, it's, it's depending on what's around it. But I like to think that... Um, it's important to speak up when you need help because there's always people around you that will show up and it's not going to be who you think because we get really fucked by our expectations of people that we think are supposed to help us out when we're in need. But mm -hmm. when you're dealing with other people, they're not always available. The one that you want is not always available to give you and meet your needs, but that doesn't mean that there isn't somebody else that will just show up out of the woodwork and totally like take your hand and help you. Hmm. Okay, yours is a lot more uplifting, your understanding of it. <laughs> it's like, it's the simplest thing is associated with this card for me is moving on. Hmm. That's one of the things that kind of comes up in my notes as well. Based, like outside of my personal opinion, it says transition or rite of passage. And a lot of the transition of our lives to evolve and move forward and move on in our lives, we have to be able to leave behind the thoughts that we had. Hmm. So in order to change, like change is hard. Um, and people look at change as like a really uh something outside of themselves they're like oh i want to change i'm gonna go buy a new wardrobe or i'm gonna rearrange the furniture in my house and you know on a level that does insight some change but the real change happens when you commit to sticking with the uncomfortableness that is changing your mindset hmm. i know that's right that's 100 percent true a lot of people want to make superficial changes but not kind of do the work to make it substantial or actually meaningful. Mm -hmm. hmm. So what does uh, the six of swords look like in the moon void tarot? So the six of swords is a bridge. It's a Brooklyn bridge. Um, but the swords are like, they're built into the infrastructure of the actual bridge. So very, very cool. Thank you. And there's, you know, there's clouds, but they're kind of, the sun is coming out and the water is dark. Yeah, I like yours better than <laughs> one of the uh, Ryder Smith weight because it, it has kind of a more inviting presence and it has a more openness to it. Um, one of the things that I want to ask you is that kind of about you moving directly to that area more so than anything. Absolutely. Like, I would say a huge reason why I moved 
from where I lived previously was um, I didn't have a community there. And I really wanted to meet people in person and not just on Instagram um, that thought like me and were interested in the things that I was interested in because I always felt like I had to hide the parts of myself that I liked the best, mm -hmm. socially acceptable, and people didn't understand it. And I was tired of either being um, everybody's therapist or but not valued for where my ideas came from. So for wow, me, wow, yeah, moving, moving, uh, literally moving away helped me get around a better, a healthier mindset mm. and accept and self acceptance. I can definitely relate to that. Travel was such a huge part of my early life, and it really helped me um, form who I was in a big way. Um, and the community really is everything. Having other people that allow you to be yourself without any kind of boundaries or limitations or, or wearing masks is essential to personal development, I feel like. Right. So moving on, uh, unless you have anything else you want to add to that, let me, let me walk that back. Nope, we're good. Okay. Which one do you want to jump into next? I'm curious about what you think about the Six of Wands. Hmm. Okay, so just looking at the artwork, because I really don't have any of these meanings like memorized on a deep level. For me, it's just kind of uh, taking pride in one's creations, one's accomplishments, kind of sitting in this place of victory for what one has created, also inspiring others to tap into their own creative potential in this sense of really heart-driven um, creation. like that and what I, does it mean to oh, go ahead i'm sorry no I, i'm just gonna agree with you i think that the six of wands um it's a card about something that could be construed as competition hmm. and taking it as um we every single person when they're living in their authenticity and they're following their own inspiration and their creativity inspires everybody so you, it's kind of leveling the playing field and saying like, hey, I look up to this person, even though we're doing very similar things, I don't feel threatened by their success. Wow. Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. I think that that's so crucial. And also knowing that even though there's a lot of people that are hustling around me, I'm worthy and I'm capable of being successful also. And that doesn't make me egotistical. Hmm. It's okay for people to come to me and tell me that they admire me and that they were touched by my story or my creation or whatever I'm doing because it's a cycle. And there's balance in that relationship of, I don't think I'm better than anybody else and nobody's better than me. I think that's so important, especially in the world right now, because there's in this kind of community, especially there's this whole concept of if you take any sense of pride in your accomplishment, or if you do anything well, and you talk about it, that you're being egotistical. And that's really kind of a bastardization of the terminology. Um, and it's really unhealthy to walk around with kind of this ego shaming that people have. 
because it really is an extension of their own ego for the need to call you out or their own ego being trampled on by what you're doing. And I really feel that the ultimate competition that we should have is with our, within ourselves. And for a long time, I didn't have any idols or people that I looked up to. I don't want to say idols. People that I looked up to is probably a healthy way to say it um, because it always made me less than. But transitioning to the space where you were kind of talking about now in this space of being like, well, they might have invested more energy in it, which is why they're farther along. It doesn't really matter position-wise where we're at. I can still value them. It doesn't make my work any less valuable. It just means this is what I have to do. That's a lot healthier perspective. And it really, uh, it fuels creativity like you had touched on as well. So I think that, that was a very good expression of it. Thank you. Yeah. The, um, in the Moon Void Tarot, all the wands are kind of sharing this, um, the laurel wreath. It's like hmm. victory for everybody. Hmm. Yeah, I really like that as well. Thank you. And also, when you're, remember when you're winning, that's the time to be the most generous. Hmm. Even though that kind of goes more into Six of Pentacles, but um, if you look at it from the wand's perspective of creativity, then it's like other people, sometimes we all create something that's very similar. Like if you noticed, um, based on the, the, the way the vibration of the collective has risen over the past few years, all of these new people have come out as tarot readers and as astrologers and making their own decks and having metaphysical businesses and everybody's a yoga teacher and la la la. <laughs> okay. You can't get, you know, upset and think that people are, are stealing your ideas or ripping you off. It's like, we get this creativity from tapping into collective consciousness because we are all connected. Mm -hmm. So there's space for everybody. You are your own messenger and the people that need to hear your message are going to hear it. First off, I am going to get upset and think that I had original ideas. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> I really was like that at one point where I'm like, these people are stealing my idea that I stole off everybody else. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I swear, before Neptune moved into Pisces, I felt the same way. And then it was like, between 2011 and 2012, it was like, all of the ego kind of came to the forefront of like, oh my God, they're stealing this. And then, and then it was like, oh, wait a second. We're all just sharing the same, like, we're sharing the same consciousness. So my dream is your dream. Mm -hmm. I think there's a... Uh... Institute of Noetic Sciences, where they kind of did studies about showing people certain things. And then these ideas became available to people who had no um, connection or anything like that, where it kind of shows the hive mentality of the way that ideas are transferred without really any kind of intent to, to transfer ideas. It just kind of is a natural process of consciousness. So you had mentioned the, uh, Six of Pentacles. I feel like that's a good place to transition it. And it's interesting. That I'll say this and then I'll shut up so we can talk about the card. It's interesting how you've uh, started off with the swords and then the wands. Then it's transitioning to the pentacles and where it'll end up at is in cups. Because it's almost like this, this wheel of the cycle of uh, the six in some regards as well. So what does Six of Pentacles look like in the Mood Void Tarot? So it's a close up 
of two hands. Mm -hmm. One is putting coins into the other person's hand. Hmm. And it's kind of like, if it's upside down, it's like the person's giving, but the, the other fist is closed. It's not receiving. Hmm. You could look at that in true six fashion and duality of um, it's sharing and it's being open and, and receptive. That's really cool. One of the things I pick up from your card too is the closed fist. It even kind of looks like a six. Was that intentional? No. That's oh. great though. It definitely does. Um, I feel like this card, when I think of this card, I think about reciprocity mm -hmm. and the law of reciprocity basically in the universe, which I said before, um, the, the six is really embody that law. And the law of reciprocity states that whatever you put out comes back to you, but not from the source that you think it's gonna come back to you. So if Ross, you are, down on your luck and you need like some money and I Venmo you $200. I do that without expecting it back from you because I know somewhere 200 bucks is going to come back to me. Hmm. And I'm just totally trusting that I can give altruistically because the universal law states that it will come back. I have a question now. So in regards to the hand that isn't receiving, if you aren't open to receiving the return on your investment, you're actually fucking that like natural law up and it'll come back and screw you over then, wouldn't it? Well, then that is a, that is a way of explaining it. Um, I try to tell people that it's their expectations that are closing their fists. Because hmm. I'm expecting, let's say I did something nice for somebody because I wanted something from them. And instead of using my words and saying, hey, I really need this from you. I passive aggressively do a bunch of nice things, hoping that you'll see my effort and give me my energy back that I'm wanting from you. Hmm. And that is people's expectations. Um, let me try to rephrase it another way. What, what if you have a hard time receiving stuff like you're really good at giving things, but you don't want to receive anything back. Not even that you have an expectation, but you have a hard time of receiving help from other people or receiving anything. Does that mess up the, the cycle of it all? It doesn't mess it up. It can, it, um, because all of those things are on their way to you. You can't see them because you are uncomfortable with receiving, but the moment you start shifting your mindset, which, you know, starts very simply with affirmations, all you have to do is say, you know, like, open your arms up, like literally open your arms and say, I'm open to receiving. Then that kind of like opens that energetic door of things coming to you. Hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for the law of attraction uh, lesson. Don't tell anybody that I, I took one. <laughs> because <laughs> I have an aversion to it, but apparently I'm becoming more curious. She's brainwashing me, everybody. Um, <laughs> no, I really like your card, and I, I appreciate the uh, insight in, into that as well. Um, looking at the this, this six and the Ryder Smith waiter, I, I change how I say it every time, it sounds like. Um, what does that mean to you? 
the, well, you know what? It looks like, it looks like, um, you know, the guy's got his scales that are even and he's keeping them. It's like, he's keeping them balanced by giving. And it's hmm. not like it's coming from his heart. He's like, okay, I have to make sure that this is even and balanced. And this is how I do it. Hmm. It doesn't feel like it's coming from a genuine place. Also, it, it really shows the gap between the haves and the have nots. And I don't believe in that. I think that the material realm is not real and it's constantly shifting and we create the reality by how we speak to ourselves. So if you're constantly thinking about yourself as being low to the ground and not having anything and looking for scraps from people that are so far above you, then that's how you're going to stay. Hmm. You know, the people who are the self-made millionaires and the people who um, prosper after like great misfortune, they're not special. They're not any more special than you or me or anybody who's listening. It's the people who see themselves as equal and always, no matter what you have or perceive not to have, that you have something important to give and to share always. Hmm. That's a good perspective. Yeah, it's kind of about confidence. I think the other aspect of that too, in regards to the people that are able to um, move themselves up from from those low levels to another space is like literally doing the work too and not, not having aversion to it and not wanting the handout of the six of pentacles. Um, one of the things that I think that I've learned in my own journey is when you sometimes take things uh, that you don't have to earn personally. I mean, it's okay at, at times, but when you take things that you don't earn, there's some kind of energetic charge associated with it where there literally is kind of no free ride. Um, and there's something that something attached to it, I guess, no matter how you take it. How do you feel about that? I'm curious. Okay. So I used to feel that way until I started studying the laws of the universe, because if I just change the way I think about it, where if somebody gives me something that I feel like I didn't earn, then I have to remind myself that that's just my generosity coming back to me. Hmm. And it's okay. And it's safe. All right. I'll, I'll leave it at that. That seems like a pretty straightforward response. Um, so getting into the, uh, the card, like what sticks out to me is, the red on that guy's robe is kind of like material reality, kind of doling out things. The yellow would be, it goes into kind of what you said, actually, sense of self, because that's the uh, navel chakra. The person with the sense of self is getting more of the rewards for material reality. And then the blue would be throat chakra, kind of not speaking up and not getting anything. So if you're not able to kind of voice your concerns or your needs or like, had that level of communication with yourself that you deserve this or capable of this blah 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 you don't get the rewards of it does that make sense yeah it does is there anything that you want to add to this card i think that's all i think the importance is that um the reciprocity and and not looking for its source to be the source that you want it to come from hmm very well said. And now this leads us to kind of the result of 
all of the previous cards, in my understanding now at least, um, which is the Six of Cups. Let's start with the uh, the other one, and then we'll go to the Moon Boy Tarot. <laughs> I'm just I'm all over the place today. So what sticks out to you the most on the Six of Cups and the uh, Ryder Smith weight? So what really stands out is that the cups are overflowing with, with flowers. Hmm. The cups, it's one of the only cups in the deck that you can see something coming out of, and it's something that's blooming. Mm -hmm. As if it wasn't just water in the cup, there was something planted, and you can see the tangible result of that. It, it puts the earth element into the cups. Whereas a lot of the other cards have water around them because it's like, hey, emotions are always present, but this is really grounded, which I think really ties into the meaning of the card, having an attachment to memories and to our roots and um, our physical families and our chosen soul families. Hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful um, symbolic interpretation and expression of the meaning of the card. Thank you. I don't even want to follow that. I don't even have anything to say. <laughs> I, yeah. um, I always looked at that as, you know, they all, some people look at this as two children. And then some people say it's a little boy and an older woman. And I always kind of like that interpretation because I felt like it's um, when we're young, our parents take care of us or whoever your caretaker was, you look to adults to care for you. And then as we evolve, then we become the caretakers, hmm. so like passing the torch. Um, and also the things that are given to you by your caretakers in your formative years are your fucking life lessons to be overcome. So it's not always a positive thing that you're get that they're giving you, but what they're giving you is basically your roadmap of what you need to address and overcome in this lifetime. The one thing I will add as a footnote to what you said, and I agree, is kind of the the things that you get in your formative years become your life lessons, and then really when you begin to take radical responsibility and kind of correct maybe some of the misinformation you might receive that ends up becoming one of your greatest gifts because then you have something else you can share with other people and really kind of help them navigate through it by clearing the path and saying, this is what I went through and here's what it blossomed into. Exactly. When I read for people, um, a lot of times people are really stuck in their anger and their hurt and their pain of their childhood. And they mm -hmm. see that in order to move forward, you have to kind of understand how that's going to play a role in, in your own expansion. And like you said, becoming the gift that you give back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can relate a lot to that. That's kind of where I'm at right now in life is really resolving some of those issues. Um, and it hasn't been the most pleasant time, but there's definitely a big reward in doing so. And it'll continue to kind of pay its, itself back in dividends. So it kind of ties into the other cards reflecting backwards as well. Um, yeah, I, I really, oh wait, 
Let me let me hold the phone. Can we see what the six of cups looks like in the moon void tarot? <laughs> I almost forgot. Okay, so there's our French press. Ooh. And there's all of our coffee mugs. And there's um, vessels of flowers and picture frames and photo albums. And you're definitely inside a home. That's so cool. I really like it a lot. It definitely has that sense of kind of community, family, connection, um, other people. There's definitely like energy of other people, which I think is the key element of all of these sixes is really other people being a part of. So what what does yours represent specifically? Um, it's really the idea of where you came from and everything that you carry with you and then the home that you build in the future hmm. and, that, and your chosen family and that transition and your emotional response. I like that. Like a lot of times when I get this card, especially living in, in Brooklyn and in New York in general, we're all transplants. You know, we all maybe have wonderful families and maybe we have families that are great but we never felt like we fit in with them and so we're all kind of around each other to find what family means to us and um being around people that feel like family to you hmm. kind of picking who is your extended family yeah I like that a lot. Um, one of the things that I think is, this is kind of like a life lesson based upon what you said about the card though too, is it's, I think it's important to remember kind of what you had touched upon, maybe some of the, um, the good lessons that you learned because sometimes we get this tunnel vision of the difficult aspects of our upbringing, but we can't really polarize it and say that it's all one or the other because there always is, I, I shouldn't say always, but there most often is good things associated with those times too, but we become hyper-focused on the displeasing points and forget to kind of um, be grateful for the good things that we did have. And then remember to instill those attitudes into our lives. We take them for granted, I guess. At least let me, let me keep it on me. I take it for granted at times. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of, um, I do a lot of like self-reflection exercises and some are, from psychology books and some are from um, more spiritual based books, but they all have the same kind of lesson when you're kind of digging into your past. They always say like, make a list of things in your childhood that like your family did that were awesome, you know, like, and then, you know, make that list of like all the things, it's easy to make the list of all the things that were painful and then kind of like a little tougher. Like just in a mini example, it's like, we all rag my mom so hard because she's literally the worst cook. Like we hate eating her food. <laughs> but she made such an emphasis on always having meals that were homemade and we ate as a family every night. Hmm. And I know that as an adult, I hate eating alone. I get so sad when I have to eat by myself, like to the point where I won't, I won't eat dinner because I thought of eating alone is like 
horrifying. You will not find me in a restaurant by myself. Like eating alone is like the worst thing ever. And I was like, oh my gosh, because my mom and my family, we always, no matter how much we were screaming at each other and we were just like, this food sucks. We hate it. Like we were all together and you were never alone to like eat your food. That's really an important value. I think that people have lost touch with that sense of community. Again, that kind of conversation around the dinner table. And you said, even if you're kind of screaming and talking about how crappy the food was, it didn't matter that you still had that, that like center point or that like anchor of family. Hmm. And that didn't occur to me because it seems like such a stupid small thing, but you know, as when I moved to New York alone, I'd never been, I'd always lived with people. Like I'd never lived by myself. I didn't, live on my own until I was 34 years old. And I was like, holy shit, I have to feed myself. And I have to eat dinner alone. And a lot of times I would walk to Whole Foods and get a salad at the salad bar and just sit in the cafeteria just so I had people around me. Hmm. I was so scared of eating by myself and that I wouldn't feed myself. <laughs> hmm. That's kind of, that's really endearing though to hear what an impact that had on you. Um, yeah, I like that. So one of the things that we skipped over when we're going to go back through the review, I'm going to bring it up. What does the lovers mean to you? Like the bullet point. So the lovers is about duality and choice. And we always have the choice to choose something that's instant gratification or something that is going to challenge us to rise to the occasion to, um, you know, go for that thing that is meeting us on a soul level. Hmm. Okay. I can dig it. I can dig it. What is the astrological meaning of it too? So the um, astrological sign that the lovers is connected to is Gemini, mm -hmm. which is interesting because Gemini is ruled by Mercury. So it's very much a mental thing. Um, and Gemini is always of two minds. Hmm. Nobody can play devil's advocate like a Gemini or even Libra too, but um, being able to see all sides of something and then mm -hmm. making a choice, but ultimately the choices should be based on your soul growth. So it's almost like objectivity, kind of being able to remove yourself from the situation and get the objective best outcome. Right. Hmm. I like it. Um, and then bullet points for the sixes. What, what do you want to start with? The six of swords? Sure. So the six of swords we spoke of as being moving on in a hmm. transition. Okay. Changing your mindset. Like there's a, there's a healing element to it also. Mm hmm how about six of wands and six of wands like the traditional word that comes to mind is always victory but it's it's a it's like a benevolent victory it's like everybody winning because we're accepting everybody's collective creativity and ambition and knowing that there's room for all of us hmm. that goes in that like cheesy saying teamwork makes the dream work Hell yeah, <laughs> uh, Six of Pentacles. Um, six of Pentacles, reciprocity. 
and generosity and um, kind of elite, like relieving yourself and letting go of expectations around those. Hmm. And then six of cups. Six of cups is, um, I want to say like, it's your family of origin and your soul family and that like giving and receiving of affection and emotion. Oh, all right. Very well said. Um, so real quick, before we close this out, what can we expect next week? Next week, I'm really excited because next week we're going to be looking at the chariot and the sevens. And I think a lot of people struggle with the sevens. And I think that the sevens have really evolved over time. So I cannot wait to discuss them with you. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, just for those people listening out there at home too, please send us your questions if you'd like. Uh, Stephanie's and mine mine and Stephanie's contact information is in the description below. You can email me at staff at spiritualphoenixstudios.com. Um, Stephanie, what's an email they could contact you at if you're comfortable? Um, you can email me Stephanie with an F dot Capone at Gmail or hit me up on uh, Instagram. That's like the best place. Honestly, just slide into the DM at Moonboy Tarot or at Stephanie Capone. Uh, yeah, reach out to us. We'd love to hear your questions, comments, um, or other things that you might want to hear about. And uh, Stephanie, thank you so much again for doing this. Thank you, Ross. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. If you love this show, one kind review goes a long way. If you have a question or comment you'd like read on air, please send your email to staff at spiritualphoenixstudios.com or use the link in the show notes.